630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score. Leon Bryson on power play goal. 6-2 Oilers in the Rexall finale. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30, Chad. We have Morley Scott's now famous play-by-play call of Mike Riley's touchdown in the West Final in our intro. Your quarterback, yeah, he's your leader. He's that team's leader after a sloppy performance by the offense yesterday at training camp. Mike Riley starting things off today by gathering the whole team together for a bit of a talk before their practice session, and the green and gold looked much better today as they get ready to host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in preseason action. That'll be on Saturday at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. We'll talk about that tonight as well. 12.30, the pregame show on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 2, second and final preseason contest for your Edmonton Eskimos. We continue to count down to the NHL draft. That'll be on 6.30, Chad, as well. Next Friday, we'll have the first round. Coverage will begin at 4 in the afternoon. Then at 8 a.m. next Saturday, we'll have coverage of rounds 2 through 7. And, uh, yes, I can tell you that rounds 2 through 7 pretty much take the same amount of time, maybe even a little faster than the first round, depending on the year. The Oilers slated to pick fourth overall, starting to think it looks like they will hold on to that pick and take well, perhaps Matthew Kachuk if he is indeed available. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. The Toronto Blue Jays are in Philadelphia and they lead it 2-1 in the top of the fourth. The Phillies have only six wins in their last 24 games. The Blue Jays are up to 36-31 and 31 on the season, chasing Baltimore atop the AL East. Boston in between those two teams as well. The Red Sox lead the Orioles 1-0 tonight. More hockey talk as well with Eric Stevens from the Anaheim Ducks. They have a new old coach, Randy Carlisle, behind the bench. Anaheim. Are they one of the teams the uh, Oilers could maybe swing a deal with to bring in a defenseman? We'll touch on that. Mark Letestu, Edmonton Oilers center, will be in studio with his dad, Garth, as we continue to feature Father's Day-themed segments here on Inside Sports leading into the big day on Sunday. We'll talk about a pretty cool female hockey initiative in the uh, city of Edmonton, and Eric Smith from Sportsnet will join us as well to uh, tee up the NBA Finals, which do continue. Cleveland won a couple nights ago, forcing Game 6 tomorrow. That series pretty spaced out as well, even more than the uh, uh, than the NHL Championship Series. If there is a Game 7, it won't be until Sunday. Uh, of course, Gordie Howe's funeral held today in Detroit. Murray Howe, who's one of Gordie's four children, opening the funeral with a beautiful eulogy. He says his father's sport may have been hockey, but he used a uh, card player's comparison to sum up his approach to life. Gripe about the cards that you've been He once told me, don't ever gripe about the cards that you've been dealt. Don't worry about anyone else's cards. Just play the cards the best you can and be thankful that you get to play. Murray Howe also saying this during his eulogy. 
I asked my dad a few years ago what he would like me to say at his funeral. He said, say this, finally, the end of the third period. Then he added, I hope there's a good hockey team in heaven. Dad, all I can say is, once you join the team, they won't just be good. They will be great. And Murray Howe saying that Mr. Hockey was a legend at home as well as on the ice. How do I do justice to the life of a living legend, my own hero? I still pinch myself at the realization that he was my father. Gordy Howe, of course, passed away on Friday at the age of 88, one of the greatest players in the history of the National Hockey League, certainly a man who defined his era and played more than anybody else. And as Murray Howe reminds you, known for his legendary toughness. I was helping him do a uh, hardware project up at our cabin, and he smashed his thumb with a two-pound hammer, and it, blood is just squirting everywhere. He shakes his thumb a little bit, and then he just keeps on, on going. It was broken. And, of course, Gordy Howe had a very special relationship with former Edmonton Oiler Wayne Gretzky. It's been a hard, obviously, time for his whole family. It's been hard for his good friends. It's, it's a hard week. Um, but it's been a fun week, you know. Um, we've got to tell stories about Gordy, maybe some stories other people haven't heard. Talk about how nice he was to everyone, how genuinely nice a person he was. And, of course, Mark Howe played in the National Hockey League. He was a Philadelphia Flyer, played against the Oilers in a couple of Stanley Cup, uh, Stanley Cup finals. He commented on his dad. He led his life, uh, like I said in my Hall of Fame speech, I said uh, he's a role model of everything that I try to be as a human being. And uh, all the good time, unfortunately, I, I can't keep up to those standards, but I try. All right, certainly some touching comments and a beautiful funeral today in Detroit as we say goodbye to Gordy Howe at the age of 88. This is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. We will take a quick timeout back with some Eskimos news, little NHL draft talk as well. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. The Blue Jays leading the Phillies into the bottom of the fourth. Edwin Encarnacion with a homer tonight. That gives him uh, 17 on the season. Also RBIs for Martin, Goins, and Travis. Marco Estrada on the hill through three innings. He has given up a homer but only two hits. He has a couple of strikeouts. 4-1, Blue Jays leading the Phillies. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. This portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Reminder, at 7.30 tonight in studio, with Mark Letestu and his dad, Garth. Mark, a center with the Edmonton Oilers. It's going to be great to have him in studio as we continue uh, Father's Day week here on 630 Chad. We had Mike Riley's dad, Pat, on on Monday. We had uh, draft prospect Cale Clegg and his dad, Jason Clegg, on the air yesterday. Really enjoyed doing those interviews. If you missed anything from earlier in the week or any show in the past, you can go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. The uh, Edmonton Eskimos making an announcement today. Uh, well, they announced some uh, player cuts, and we'll touch more on those a little bit later on in the show when Morley Scott joins us. Perhaps the most notable name that is uh, no longer on the roster is Jacoby Ford, who uh, 
was a much ballyhooed signing of a former NFL player. He will not be sticking around with the green and gold. Also, the Edmonton Eskimos and the Brick teaming up to announce a field naming rights partnership. Five-year deal. The Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium is where the Eskimos will now play their home games. Eskimos president Len Rhodes on the deal. Since I moved here in 2011, everyone uh, recounts their stories and memories and experiences of the knothole section. And we relaunched it officially today with the brick. The brick uh, becomes a brick field at Commonwealth Stadium, getting uh, naming rights in the new partnership. But their dedication to family and kids was the deal maker. Uh, they just want to activate this, and the relaunch of the uh, knothole section is going to be a great activation where kids can get a season seat for $60. Tell you about this area. I understand this is going to kind of be transformed in, in this area where we're standing in now. Yeah, so inside of Gate 2 and outside of Gate 2, Brickley's Clubhouse, uh, the visual speaks for itself. It'll allow uh, the suite to host children, including from the stallery. And uh, outside of the clubhouse, there's going to be a lot of activations from face painting, balloons, everything geared to kids. Outside of Gate 2 as well, two hours before the game, total theme around kids and children. So it's a fabulous commitment to that segment, our future fans, and hoping that 10 years from now they buy season seats as well. All right, so yeah, the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos calling it the largest ever uh, financial deal in uh, in club history. Len Rhodes saying it's the largest corporate partnership they've ever formed. So the uh, Brickley's Knothole Corner, located near the family area in the lower bowl, and uh, you heard him mention some of the prices there. And uh, Len Rhodes uh, tells you how the deal got going. But it was a relationship that started last year, and they were so excited to have the kids' club. And uh, their president looked down at the field one day and saw what our players do with kids signing autographs, taking time, talking to kids, and he said, I want to be involved. So it graduated, and they deserve to have that graduation because uh, they have shown that they are truly authentic and genuine when they care about this community, and specifically the family segment. All right, so there we go. And, of course, the game on Saturday afternoon, the Edmonton Eskimos against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Chris Jones coming back to town. First of three visits for the Riders, one in the preseason, two in the regular season. It's going to be fun to see how those shake down. I know the uh, uh, the Eskimos are probably pretty fired up to face their former coach and staff. You can always text us here on 630 Chad on Inside Sports at 630-630. The open line number is 780-496-0063. The email is inside sports at 630Ched.com. Of course, we are counting down to the NHL draft. The uh, Oilers... Uh, what do they got? They got a first-round pick. They got a second-round pick. They got uh, three in the third round, right, because of some trades that they made. They I, Somebody was asking me this earlier today. They are picking 91st overall, uh, which is in the third round. It's the last pick of the third round. What happened is Arizona got a compensatory pick in the second round because they didn't sign first round draft pick Connor Bleakley so they get a pick added in so it pushes the adds one to the quantity they pick so even though it is pick 91 it's not the first pick of the second round it's actually in the third round that was the Justin Schultz pick Penguins pick last because they uh, they pick last in every round because they won the Stanley Cup it, it, it's it's interesting how this this is shaking down as we move towards it 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 seems to me it's, it seems to me pretty unlikely that the Edmonton Oilers are going to trade this pick. 
for a few reasons. I, they can get a pretty good player there. And this city has seen, I mean, what's happened in the last six years? They've picked first overall four times, third overall, and seventh overall. So, I mean, you still get a pretty good player at fourth overall, right? If you get Matthew Kachuk, if Kachuk goes third and they get Jesse Pugliarvi, you're still getting a pretty good player. And remember, you don't have to protect that player in the expansion draft next summer. And it, it was leaked yesterday and expected to be formally announced one week from today that the Las Vegas whoever's will join the NHL for the 17-18 season. There'll be an expansion draft next summer. You do not have to protect players with two years or fewer of pro experience. Obviously, this draft pick will fall into that category. So it's a pretty valuable pick. I don't know if it's a guy who's going to play right away necessarily, but it should be a pretty decent player, probably a forward. There's debate at number four over Matthew Kachuk or Pierre-Luc Dubois out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I know that Kyle Woodley from the Red Line Report, they do their own scouting rankings every year. He was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer uh, earlier today and was talking about Kachuk being ahead of Dubois in their rankings. Well, again, uh, you know, he's got a track record of really coming up big in clutch moments. He did that for the U.S. national team program when he was there. He did that for London in his first year, uh, stepping up to the OHL this year both in the regular season and right on through the playoffs, right on through the Memorial Cup, um, you know, that has to count for something. Uh, you know, you're, you're playing the games at the NHL level to win a Stanley Cup, and a guy who's proven that he's a clutch, you know, contributor to a, a great program um, consistently throughout the course of his young career, uh, that has to count for something, and that's why we have Kachuk ahead of Dubois. I do think that uh, people are selling Dubois somewhat short and that everybody seems to be listing him as a winger. I think he's going to stick as a center at the NHL level, and I think he can be a first-line center at the NHL level. At worst, a very good number two uh, center. I find it interesting what he said about the, the, the big game performance of Kachuk. And, and what I would say, I'm glad he didn't just bring up the Memorial Cup. I mean, certainly did well in the OHL, in the OHL playoffs, and, and he mentioned experience with the U.S. national teams. The Memorial Cup is a great tournament, a high-level tournament, a much-watched tournament. I, I think if you're taking a, a sober, complete approach at the draft rankings, if you believed Matthew Kachuk was ahead of Dubois, you didn't need him to score the overtime winner to think that. I mean, we tend we tend to be a society that that celebrates. Um, we we tend to be a society that celebrates clutch performances, big game players. Well, usually those players are good in all games, and sometimes when guys make a good play or or go on a good run, and it's isolated, you got to remind yourself that it is isolated and it's unusual and not the norm. And perhaps a guy we interviewed last night, Fernando Pisani, scored at a higher rate in the 2006 NHL playoffs than he ever scored with at any other point in his career. So you celebrate what he did, but you got to remember that wasn't the player's story all the way through. Matthew Kachuk, his story has been he produces. He plays in important situations. He produces in important situations. So to me... The, the, the Memorial Cup performance, I'm sure for a lot of you, is the one that got the spotlight. It's the one you remember. 
but he was already that player, I think, even without scoring that goal. And that's an important thing to remember. If uh, here's the way I look at it, if you're an if you're a director of scouting for an NHL team, or if uh, if, if you're the GM for an NHL team, and all of a sudden you elevate Kachuk over somebody else because of what he did in the Memorial Cup, I think you're you're probably haven't done your homework throughout the year. That's that's how I look at it. And remember, Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't get the chance to play in the Memorial Cup. So how do you know what, what he would have done? So I think that probably reinforces Kachuk, but I don't think it should define Kachuk if you're really taking a sober approach at things. Uh I want to read a text here I got from a, a loyal listener, Rocket. I put it out earlier this week. If you have any uh, memories, sporting-related memories or stories about your dad, coaching, playing with him, watching a game with him, you're always invited to text 63630 or email insidesports at 630ched.com. I want to read this one. Rocket says, I always felt blessed that my father was my best friend. He coached me at Edmonton from age four, Southside Athletic Club, and was a founder of that club. He has a division in minor hockey week named after him called the Prudent Division. He was minor hockey week in Edmonton during those days and known to all. I can't help but think of him often, especially during the Gordie Howe funeral. I turned 51 June 10th. Ironically, Gordie Howe retired at the same age. I play senior hockey at age 51. To put it in perspective, I started at age four in 1969 and this brick house of a man retired at 51 in a game that has always demanded the best from its athletes my dad and Gordy Howe I miss them both dearly Rocket thank you very much for that text Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. At Euro today, France assuring themselves of a spot in the playoff round, beating Albania 2-0, Romania and Switzerland tied 1-1, Slovakia beat Russia. Two, one. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Really good to have you along for the ride. Uh, still ahead, Morley Scott will give us an update from Eskimos training camp. We'll talk about some of the players who will cut today, uh, who were cut today. One hour from now, Oilers center Mark Latestu in studio, part of our Father's Day features this week. He will be joined by his dad, Garth, that's going to be cool. All right, so the uh, Anaheim Ducks making a little bit of news this week. They have a new head coach, a new old head coach, I guess you could call it. And to talk about that, we bring in our old friend from the Orange County Register. It is Eric Stevens. Eric, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? I'm well, Reed. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for making time for us. I, I, I have to ask you something incredibly ignorant, and I can't believe I've never found this out from you before. Uh, Orange County includes, uh, what, Anaheim and what other communities? How vast an area are we talking here? 
I'd say what it's uh, it's an area that's larger than many cities. I mean, <laughs> we can go through the list here: Garden Grove, uh, La Harbor. I don't know if you've heard many of these cities, but Santa Ana—that's uh, one of the big communities. Irvine. Uh, the list kind of goes on and on. Tustin, <laughs> Anaheim Hills, Newport Beach. <laughs> you can keep going. So where's where's your paper located? Where's the office? You know what? Actually, uh, we're in Santa Ana, and, but Santa Ana, Anaheim, and Orange are so close together um, that the, our office is actually, I want to say, less than 10 minutes away from uh, Honda Center. So it, it's not very far away. Okay, now 10 minutes it, that's that can't be the actual driving time in that part of the well, world, okay, Eric. You yeah, can't. I was gonna say, maybe, all right, maybe if you want, yeah, let's let's we'll expand it to twenty to twenty-five at about five p.m. each day. That's not bad. That's not bad. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how people with a lot of meetings, uh, like in various parts of the L.A. area, get around without a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there there have been times where I wished I had one. Sure, <laughs> Eric, maybe I can borrow Kobe's. Yeah, exactly. Does he? Does Kobe actually have a helicopter? Uh, no. Yes, he does. He, he commute. You know, he lives. Uh, he's been living in Newport Beach for many years. And um, when he was playing, he uh, that was his uh, method of transportation on a lot of evenings. So, uh, I, don't know. I, haven't, I haven't checked. I haven't checked in with Kobe in in about a week or two. So uh, <laughs> you know, that reminds me. I've got to call my buddy up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send him a text. All right. Well, uh, anyway, geography aside, thanks for coming on the show tonight. So, uh, Randy Carlisle's back with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I mean, it's not. It has happened before that a coach returns to a team he was with in the past. It, it has been a few seasons away. The, the team is different. But uh, tell tell us a little bit about this move. The Ducks reaching into their past to find a new head coach. Well, I, you know, I tell you what, uh, let, let, let's let, let us call it for what it is. I mean, it, it is a risk um, in doing this because, like you mentioned, it's not unprecedented. Um, you know, it has happened. It doesn't happen very often, though. It's rare, uh, you know, but the two most recent examples, at least in the NHL, are, are, are Michelle Therrion and, uh, and even Paul Maurice, uh, you know, had two turns with Carolina. Um, but in other sports and whatsoever, you, you, you've seen where it, it doesn't happen very often where there's, you know, as much success the second time around or even more than, say, the first. You know, maybe you can say Phil Jackson with the Lakers, uh, you know, after he sort of, you know, took that year off in between his stints. Um, he won titles uh, the, the second time around. Billy Martin with the Yankees, uh, he had a few turns with them. Um, but more often than not, uh, you know, when, you know, in football, Joe Gibbs from Washington, you, you don't see where that soup, that success the first time around is duplicated, uh, you know, the next time. But, you know, the Ducks are going to prove, you know, they're, they're out to prove, you know, with, with hiring Randy that uh, he can be able to push them over the top and get them that second cup that they've been looking for these last few years. Take me back to when he, when he was let go uh, relatively early in the 2011-12 season. I think they started something like 7-13-4. I, I mean, I guess obviously things were going wrong at that point, and he was had to take take the fall for it. I, I mean, does that do you think that lingers with the guys? And I know there aren't many of them, but do you think that lingers with the guys who are on that team? You know what, I I don't think so, or, or I don't think as much. I mean. 
yeah, if 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 you go say during this season, um, you know, and you know, if if they hit losing streaks and and whatsoever and whatever issues that 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 they had, then you know, say per you know percolate, you know, I, you, you, you can never say never, um, but time has passed. I mean, almost five years has have passed. As you mentioned, these ducks are very different than they were then. You know, there's only four players um, left from Randy's last turn as coach. Um, there are notable ones, obviously, with you know, most notably well, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much a, a different group. And I think that the players themselves, kind of after this latest, uh, you know, playoff disappointment this spring, I think they're, they realize and maybe are accepting of, say, maybe a firmer hand or so. Um, that's going to push them. That's going to prod them. That's going to maybe demand, you know, maybe say a little bit uh, more of them um, in order to get uh, to where they want to go, where they want to go. Yeah, well, it's interesting with him going back, and and I mean the thing that hangs over this franchise for the most part, Eric, and, and we've talked about it before, is not their play in the regular season. I mean that that's been generally pretty. I know they started slow this year. That's been generally pretty good. It's that they can't haven't been able to win the single elimination games. And maybe we talk about this team totally different if they pulled off a couple of these. But to me, that's the 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 cloud that that hangs over the Ducks. No, there's no question. I mean, it's 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 pretty cut and dry. Let's let's say, for instance, had Bruce Boudreau won, like you said, one of those game sixes or game sevens. I mean, they the last four years they had when they were eliminated, they had three two series leads in all of them, and they lost both game six and game seven. Um, had Bruce closed out one of those series, he very likely you know might still be the coach right now. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely is a, a, about that. It's about you know these these players, these leaders, you know Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler, etc. Um, you know being able to win those big games, and you know most notably for Getzlaff and Perry because they've been here their their entire careers. You know more criticism, more you know more more of it is sort of looked at them in terms of being able to come through in the biggest of moments. You know, they're the leaders now. They they weren't the leaders in 2007. It was it was Scott Niedermeyer, it was Cross Pronger, it was Team Mussolini. You know, they were at the front of this team, and, and Getzoff and Perry were sort of coming up. Well, this is this is their team now, and they've got these things on their on their resume, you know, so that this is why one, that move was made. Eric Stevens joining us inside sports on 630 Chet covers the Anaheim Ducks for the Orange County Register. We head into the draft, we head into the offseason, we head into free agency. No oh, man, uh, you know Eric when we talk about possible trading partners for the Edmonton Oilers here in Edmonton, we wonder about these Anaheim Ducks. We wonder about a couple restricted free agents, Sammy Votnin and uh, Hampus Lindholm, both going to be RFAs. Votnin's 25. I really like him. Lindholm obviously has been very good as well. He's only 22 years of age. Um, the Ducks, according to the general manager site, do have a fair bit of uh, projected cap space around uh, uh, around 19 million dollars. So, is there a possible marriage? Could they possibly um, sacrifice one of those defensemen because they have to pay the other one? Or how do you see this? Well, you know, first off, you know, like you mentioned, I think you guys have been wanting a uh, <laughs> defenseman from the Ducks for a while. I think it might even go back to Cam Fowler. 
right. for, you know, for a few years here. Uh, no, I mean, okay, yes. Needs, certainly, obviously, Edmonton, you know, certainly needs help on the back end. Uh, you know, needs, you know, uh, 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 a, guy, a guy, preferably a young guy that can maybe step, you know, that can step right into a top four role, perhaps even a top two role. You know, so they have the needs, and Anaheim has seemingly, um, you know, an, an excess of them. But this is what we know about Bob Murray, for one. You know, he loves and he craves defensemen, and he loves to have at least eight NHL guys on this roster. He, he He's not just going to part with his defensemen very easily. Yes, they've had, you know, they, yes, they have Baden as an RFA. Yes, they have Hampus Lindholm as an RFA. Um, you know, so he's got to be able to sign them. Um, the thing about, about it is, is that if Edmonton weren't in the same division, you know, then perhaps, you know, you could see where, you know, maybe it be, might be easier to make some type of deal uh, or so. But I'm not so sure that Bob is going want to or going to want to, um, you know, deal, you know, so easily with a, a divisional, you know, team, particularly a team that's rebuilding and, and that's seemingly trying to put pieces in place um, to, you know, move back up in the standings and, and, and challenge for a division title. So, you know, there's that. Um, and 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 if, if so, I mean, it's not like it's unheard of. I mean, teams within divisions have dealt with each other before. But um, if he does do that, I'm sure that he's going to want to extract a high price. So what are we what are you talking about here? I mean, I, I don't I don't think he'd be able to extract Taylor Hall for one of those guys. Does he try to get Nugent Hopkins or Eberle or a defenseman in return, which probably the Oilers wouldn't want to do because they don't they don't have eight NHL defensemen right now, Eric. No, 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 certainly. And, you know, when you're dealing, you're going to, okay, you know, say, you know, if you're, you know, GMA, you know, you call, you know, call the next one, you know, you ask for, you ask for, you ask for, you know, a guy that you obviously want. Well, you know, that other GM is either going to, A, if it's outlandish, he's going to either hang up or if he's going to listen, he's going to look at your roster and he's going to you know, look at the highest price you get. Now, obviously, there's going to be negotiations if there's real talks, um, you know, between the two groups. But, you know, I'm sure that Bob's going to, you know, whether it's Edmonton or whether it's somebody else, if, if he's forced to having to deal uh, a Vatanen because he can't sign him, uh, you know, and I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that that's going to be the case or whatsoever. But um, if he's forced into that position, you know, he's going to be looking around for, like, say, high draft picks. Uh, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, uh, of that, uh, I would think that would be, you know, one of the, um, one of the parts, uh, you know, that's going to have to make a, a deal like that work. Uh, again, he's, he, he's not going to give away these young guys, uh, you know, who are obviously productive and still have uh, upsides to them. Right. Well, he was pretty nice to send Patrick Maroon to Edmonton. I know fans were pretty happy about uh, <laughs> what he brought to the Edmonton Oilers. Eric, before I let you go, uh, give me if uh, give me an, another. Uh, they got the coach. Give me another one or two uh, off-season storylines or needs needs for the Ducks. Uh, well, you know the the RFAs are going to be a, a big storyline. Like I mentioned, those guys, you know, Freddie Anderson. You know, what, what are they going to do in goal? You know, whether they're going to. Um, try to resign Freddie. Whether they're going to try to bring both of those guys back, uh, whether they make a decision between Freddie or John Gibson and Goal, um, 
you know, there's, uh, you know, they've even got a side Ricard Raquel. So, um, you know, certainly that's going to be probably the main storyline. Um, I, I would think that as far as the UFA front, um, I, I don't think that they will, you know, look, you know, or, or you know, real hard at that. Maybe look at some different complementary pieces. Uh, maybe that they, they can get the, at say bargain rates or so. Um, that might be something that they look at as well. But um, dealing with those RFAs and re-signing these key guys are, are, are going to be front and center. All right. Interesting stuff, Eric. Uh, really appreciate your time, man. It's always great to have you on the show. I will probably see you in about eight or nine days in Buffalo, man. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, Rehe. Thanks again. I always appreciate it. Right on. That is Eric Stevens checking in tonight. He covers the Anaheim Ducks for the Orange County Register. Good to have him on the show. So there you heard it, Oil Country. The uh, guy who covers the Ducks doesn't think a trade between these two teams is very likely, given that they are in the division, given that the Anaheim Ducks are going to want to hang on to their young defensemen. And they do have some room to pay these guys. Um, depending on what their internal budget is, but they're certainly well under the salary cap. I like Votnin a lot. He's at that age range that I like, 25, where I think you see defensemen really start to get rolling. Um, the Ducks right now paying their defense. Fowler and Bieksa each going to get $4 million. This is uh, cap dollars coming into this season. Simone Dupre's at 3.7. Clayton Stoner's at 3.25. Certainly uh, Votnin and Limholm would be looking to become the highest paid defenseman on the team. One guy... Matthew Panashik's on the other side of the uh, the window tonight. Matthew, good to see you, first of all. Nice Bengals hat. Thank you very much. It, you know who else the Ducks have for a goaltender? Yeah, John Gibson, of course. Sorry, I'm thinking about a guy they, they did have. He's now going to be a UFA. Anton Kadobin. Oh, yes. Anton Kadobin also played for what team in his past? Well, the Carolina Hurricanes and also the Boston Bruins. And the Boston Bruins. Who's a former GM of the Boston Bruins? Peter Shirelli. Peter Shirelli, who is now here. Yes, sir. Uh, would you agree that the Oilers need a backup goalie? I agree 100%. I don't think Persuas the guy right now. He'd use some more seasoning in the minors. Now, Kadobin, here's the thing. He did not play a lot in the NHL last season. He only played, uh, where are we at here, nine games. And he had didn't have a great save percentage, 909. Yeah, but you tough. wonder, because of the experience and the age... Is he a, could he be a twenty game solution for the Oilers? He played he played mostly in San Diego uh, for the Gulls for for Dallas Aikens. He played for Carolina, played for Boston, never played a ton. So you could probably get him cheap, and I think he'd certainly accept that support role. I, the question is is he, is he good enough if you play him those twenty to twenty five games? Well, that's the question, right? Is he good enough? I mean. Um... I mean, he hasn't shown too much, especially last year, but he had a tough year in, in Anaheim. No doubt in my mind he had a tough year because, of course, he was going up against um, Freddie Anderson well, and also clearly, John Gibson, clearly too. Clearly third right? on their depth chart, Yeah, right? he was third. He was actually second at one point because the Ducks wanted to play Gibson in the minors instead of having him just sit on the bench and not do nothing. And that's why they signed Kadobin for. Or, or maybe they were trying to, maybe even last season, trade somebody. That's why they signed Kadobin, but who knows. I still think Freddie Anderson's going to get moved, by the way, this season in Anaheim. He's going to get moved to um, maybe Calgary or Toronto, perhaps. And then they'll look for somebody else. I don't know if they would uh, retain Kadobin. We'll see. But I mean, Kadobin that's, that's, would that's, be a good just, guy. Uh, that, and that's another storyline. I mean, that, the, to me, as the Oilers need to improve in all areas. They're not a defenseman or two away from being a contending team. They aren't. I, I, quite frankly, if they improve the defenseman by one or two players, I'm, I don't even. they're probably still not a playoff team in my mind because they still have a long way to go. 
and especially if you it depends how things get jigged around uh, they still need a little forward depth and they still need a backup goalie yeah and uh, now Talbot's going to play a lot but still you don't want to throw away the 20 or so games the other guy plays and you uh, as always you got to guard against injuries I think he's going to so play over 60 games this year Reday that's still another that's still another big storyline for me though yeah is 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 the backup goaltender it is the most important position on the ice and Brassois, as we saw, I mean, he was capable of playing well, but we saw some games, you know, the Columbus game just couldn't just couldn't make a stop. The L.A. game, he got a tough call on what should have been a goalie interference that one game, but but couldn't couldn't make a stop at a key time, and the Oilers fell behind in those games. So again, you got to ask yourself though, Reed, is Kadobin better than an Anders Nielsen? And Nielsen struggled. I mean, he he had his good moments last season. He helped the team out in some points. Yeah, that's a good question. He did. Nielsen was, um, he played, what, five of the six games, I yeah. think, on the six-game winning streak. Didn't play as well in the, the 7-5 game against the Rangers. And then Talbot came in for the sixth win in Boston. It was over 40 saves. They won in overtime. I think that was the Secker goal. And then Talbot took off from there. And then when we saw Nielsen... After the new year, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, just couldn't find the puck, couldn't make the key save. Is Kadobin better than Nielsen? Good question. If he's not, then then why bother? Exactly. So maybe the fact that I'm not totally sure. Maybe I've talked myself out of this idea. Uh, (laughs) 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. It's Inside Sports on Chet. We'll tell you how the Blue Jays are doing when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. The Blue Jays are up 4-2 on the Phillies. They're in the bottom of the sixth. It's a four-game series played in both cities. First two were in Toronto tonight and tomorrow in the city of brotherly love. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Little Eskimos update with Morley Scott coming up at 7.05 after the 7.30 news tonight. Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers and his dad Garth will be live in studio. Andy has texted in. You're going to like this one, Matthew. How uh, willing would you be to get P.K. Subban? The cost would be very high. What's the best offer you would do? Okay, well, his first question, how willing would you be to get P.K. Subban? Well, I'd be willing to get him, but you're right, the cost would be high. And here's the thing, Matthew, we talked about this before, after the season, when some of the stuff was out there that, you know, the Canadians might, you know, talk about trading Subban. They might see what's out there. I do not think P.K. Subban is going to be traded. And I I think you got to ask yourself this question. If P.K. Subban were an Edmonton Oiler, would you entertain trading him? And I would think the answer for a lot of you is no. And I know there's the discussion, well, maybe all his teammates don't always like him. Maybe he's a little too outgoing, all that kind of stuff. Okay, fair enough. From an ability standpoint, Matthew, this is what I believe. P.K. Subban at 80% would be the Edmonton Oilers' best defenseman, given what they had last season. Uh, you know, nothing against some of the Oilers' better defensemen. I just think that's the, the way the roster was structured. So... I don't know if this is a guy the Montreal Canadiens ultimately, when faced with it, are, are going to want to trade. Because we know the value of a defenseman that can log that much ice time. Sure, PK has his flaws. Everybody does. That's life. Um, but I, I just don't know if the Canadians are going to be willing to do that. I mean, look, if, if, if put yourself in the shoes of a Montreal fan 
and you're looking at Edmonton, you're going to want Taylor Hall and maybe a little something else. Or you're going to want Darnell Nurse and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, I think that's it, it would, the price would start pretty high. I, I just don't know. I ultimately don't think the Canadians would go through with that. Uh, text to 630-630, of course. We got the 7 o'clock news. We got Morley Scott up next. We got a little golf talk. And, of course, Mark Letestu. All ahead. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.